We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor here at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our lead college football writer at SportingNews.com. We have a special guest. We're going to welcome in Ari Wasserman, Senior Writer who covers college football recruiting at The Athletic. You can hear Ari on Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast on The Athletic's podcast network, along with other podcasts on that network, including The Andy Staples Show, does a recruiting mailbag. You, you, you got to follow Ari if you want to know what's going on in recruiting. Ari, welcome in, and you, and you know Bill already from um, crossing paths. Uh, on the yes, Ohio yes. State you still live in Columbus, right, Bill? We're in a fantasy football league together. Yes, we are. And my team fell apart after I made a trade with Ari two years ago. We haven't recovered yet. <laughs> what so, was that trade? I think it was the meat. The pieces were definitely Ezekiel Elliott, Odell Beckham, Melvin Gordon. And I don't know that any of those players matter going into next season. So your roster yeah. looks, looks, but who looks did, a lot. Who did I get? <laughs> I think you got the better players somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, those players. Uh, That's rough. You know, well, neither of us have won if it made you feel better. So, uh, you know, we, we'll, uh, we'll figure it you know, out. Try hard, real hard into the next year. And, and maybe something good will happen to one of us. Absolutely. But uh, no, Ari's the best. He, you know, obviously I got to meet him when I came up moved from Charlotte to Columbus. He's one of the nicest guys out there and was fortunate to be around him when he was in the Columbus area. He's not down in Pickerington like I am in this. As Ari knows, I, Bill hears me talk about Pickerington all the time. Ari knows how, how good the football is down here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you got two schools that Ohio State recruits regularly. Uh, You know, that's... uh, Certainly one of the the areas that in Columbus, and I think Ohio State recruits Columbus right. so rarely, you know, when yeah. when they happen to want somebody in Columbus, it typically is from that area. So, um, yeah, yeah, well, uh, it's good to be on, and it's good to see your face again. Good. Speaking of Bill's old stomping grounds, Charlotte, uh, we had some big recruiting news. I already wanted to get your take on this. Uh, Jaden Davis, five-star quarterback from, uh, from Charlotte, committed to Michigan last week. Uh, is this mm-hmm. – is this Michigan's success on the recruiting trail finally seeing that bump we expected when they first broke through the college football playoff in 2021? Didn't didn't happen right away, but it looks like it's it's starting to happen now. Yeah, well, it was to me if this didn't happen or the signs that it was going to happen didn't come up soon, then I th- I would have thought that Michigan's window of you know being able to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten was relatively small. You know, the fact that they did it two years ago is pretty remarkable and. And even last year, when you look at the talent gap between those two programs that exists, um, you know, I still think there's a certain element of what's going on with Ohio State right now, more so than it was that Michigan took it away from them. But if they start landing guys like this regularly, you know, two things happened in the past, you know, 10, 15 days. And that was, you know, I think Michigan came into Ohio and took a a top 100 running back named Jordan Marshall, uh, who had an Ohio State offer. And that was the first time in, I think, over 10 years uh, that Michigan did that. And, you know, people might think it's a coincidence or say that Ohio State wanted uh, peoples out of San Antonio who they recently got, but this didn't happen for a decade. And the last time they got a commitment from a top 100 player in the state of Ohio with an Ohio offer uh, was 70 days or 69 days before Urban Meyer was hired. So like that to me was a big, you know, situation for them. So now, they follow up a week or a week and a half later and they get a five-star quarterback that they've been recruiting for over a year now. And, you know, to me, you know, a lot of people want to know how good is Jaden Davis and is he a transcendent program changing player? And the answer to those questions is yes. But I think that more importantly, the statement that Michigan made in terms of being able to be alive in national recruitments that have big time people involved is, is a huge step in the right direction. Like there's no disrespect to JJ McCarthy. Cause you know, I went to his high school when he was a senior and he said he was going to be the guy that took the rivalry back. And you now he's played a large part in that, but also uh, he wasn't being recruited by Georgia and Alabama and Florida and LSU and all the big time schools, even though he was a five-star quarterback. And now you're going into the South and taking a five-star quarterback out of Charlotte. 
Uh, that to me means that Michigan could be on the verge potentially of being involved in the types of recruitments that Ohio state's been involved in. And, you know, one recruit here or two recruits there isn't going to be the thing that erases the gap, but so much of recruiting and following it is about recognizing trends and, you know, being up to speed with, you know, what's normal, what's unique and, and what could be the foundation of something different. And I think that you'd be lying to yourself if you don't think that this Michigan month kind of helps change the trajectory or the thought of the trajectory of that program in general. Well, Ari, and I, you, you, know, you just mentioned that about the Jordan Marshall thing. And I read your story and I was stunned at the detail of when the Urban Meyer stat. I was like, really? It's been that long? And and this is a program. Because it went Michigan. fast, Bill. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. like when we were covering yeah. Urban Meyer in Columbus, like it was unthinkable that that right. could happen. Right. And, and, you know, from when I was growing up around the rivalry, some of Michigan's best players were Ohio guys. So mm -hmm. I guess my question is now that they have a Jordan Marshall, which is a Cincinnati Muller guy, which Bill again, hears me talk all the time about Catholic high school football in Ohio. He gets that sermon all the time, but um, what, what level of concern is there at Ohio state or is it just something that, okay, this happens and we're going to be fine with the way we're recruiting in terms of, like you said, I mean, they do have more talent than Michigan, but is there any level of concern with what's going on there at Michigan, at Ohio State? Yeah, well, if you're Ohio State, the question you have to ask yourself is why did it happen now after 10, 13 years or whatever it's been? Why why did it happen now? And if you're honest with yourself, you know why it happened now. It didn't happen or just by juxtaposition, just or just by happenstance, not juxtaposition, sorry, happenstance happened in year four of the urban Meyer era. It literally never happened during the urban Meyer era. So you're losing two games in a row. Uh, Michigan has won the big 10 twice in a row. Now there is a momentum shift here. Now, I don't know if this one commitment means that Ohio state's not going to recruit well, or that they need to run in circles and, you know, freak out. Uh, but I do think there needs to be an acknowledgement from the fan base and the coaching staff that this can't happen because, you know, the one thing that is interesting that I've seen a lot on Twitter is people are like, well, Ohio State got their running back out of San Antonio anyway. He has Ohio ties. This is the guy that they wanted. Okay, that might be true. But Michigan's going to be better if you let them take players out of your state that are ranked that high. They hadn't even been a factor in Ohio uh, for the last 10 years. If they start coming in and taking guys that you don't want anymore, the way that Michigan State beat them when, when uh, you know, Urban Meyer and D'Antonio had those big head-to-head -head clashes. Like, you don't want Michigan's presence to be a factor in your state at all because that's how the rivalry got out of hand to begin with. And part of the reason of that, too, was that they not only was Michigan not in Ohio, Ohio was also national, so they were getting both the best of both worlds. Um, so, like, I don't know if this is, like, the entire uh, uh, world falling, but it should be acknowledged and important you know, domino in recruiting in the rivalry. Interesting. So we've, but yeah, Davis, uh, we've been talking about as the number two ranked quarterback, according to 24 seven sports, uh, the number one quarterback, Dylan Rayola, former Ohio state commit, uh, who now seems to be looking at Nebraska and Georgia. Uh, he's been visiting mm -hmm. both places. What are you hearing in terms of leaders, maybe a commitment timeline? And is he uh, maybe a notch below some of the, the hyped recent number ones like Arch Manning, Trevor Lawrence, Quinn Ewers. Have you have you seen him in person yet? I haven't seen him in person yet. Um, 
but I'm going to, I think, in July at the Elite 11, and I'm excited about it. I mean, have you seen the comps on this guy? I mean, people are are, are saying that he's built like Mahomes. And, you know, in high school football recruiting, we always see outlandish right. uh, comparisons, right? Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> the guy is Patrick Mahomes, but he is a big-bodied uh, prospect who's super athletic and has a rocket arm. So, of course, that's going to be his comparison. Right. Um, but, you know, 6'3", 220, can throw the ball 80 yards in the air. Uh, and his scholarship offers, uh, you know, show that he is uh, um, a legit player. So, like, Quinn Ewers was the most hyped quarterback ever, right? And you never thought that that would be, that would be topped. And then a year later it was by a guy that went to the school that he's now at. Um, and, like, I don't know if Arch Manning, the prospect, would have been this hyped if he wasn't a Manning. Like, I think he's a very good player and probably deserves his five-star rating. But I think the hype with that one was probably more so to do with the fact that he's from the first family of football. Um, you know, this kid, I think if you asked um, a lot of the recruiting coordinators around college football, like if you could take the any of those three that you just mentioned um, and work with them for three or four years, who would you take? I think Dylan Rayola would probably be the answer quite a bit more than you would expect. So... Mm-hmm. You know, that that whole thing is uh, an interesting recruitment because you have, of course, Georgia involved now um, and, you know, might be the for- the front runner at the moment because they're Georgia and they're hot. Um, but the most interesting thing to me is, like, can Nebraska capitalize with a first-year head coach with a recognizable name on the family ties, the, the fact that his uncle's on the staff, the fact that his father played there, all the things that we all know about him. Nebraska is not getting a sniff from a guy like this without that connection. They need to, they need to figure out a way to close it. Cause if they do, can you imagine a, a commitment for a first year head coach before he's coached a game that's made a bigger splash in college football history than that would be right. What has he mentioned a timeline at all? Uh, no, he hasn't. Um, and he's very hard to get on the phone for obvious reasons. Um, you know, I think that it wouldn't surprise me if he were to make a commitment sometime before his season starts. Um, because, I mean, he's visited these places so often. I mean, he went to Nebraska a few times. He went to USC. Um, he went to Georgia a few times now in the spring. So, you know, if he's down to these schools, like, I don't know how much is left to see. Um, but, you know, it's been an interesting recruitment because Ohio State was so convinced and obviously so because they got a commitment from him that he was their quarterback of the future. And there was so much stock put into the fact that, like, no matter what happens in the transfer portal or you know, some of the younger guys on the roster that Ohio State's quarterback position is like going to be good for five or six years down the line now. And and that changed. So um, certainly one of the more interesting recruitments for a different reason. It's not as hyped as Arch Manning's, but I do think that if he were to commit to Nebraska, that would be every bit as influential to that program. It could be the reason why they get back on track. Yep. Yep. And well, speaking of another program from the 90s looking to get back on track i this might be wrong i was looking last night but i looked at miami's 2024 commits and they mm-hmm. have a kicker and that's it that's and it this, yeah and, well <laughs> the easy question is well that kicker might why? make a uh, kick at the last second of a college football yeah. playoff game though bill so don't don't you well, know put some respect on that guy's name because you well, know how how delicate it is between losing and winning a I, national title i understand uh, that <laughs> but, but this is the same program that just was in the spotlight the last two weeks for all the NIL deals with the basketball team. So yeah, why, what's going on on the recruiting side on football and the Cavender twins too. <laughs> that too. I forget. There's, how can I forget about them? There's, there's certainly uh, involved in that space. Um, 
And like, I don't know, having one commitment in 2024 in April could be mildly concerning when a lot of the teams in the rankings um, have like eight to 15. Uh, but I've like come and I, uh, to find, and I don't, I don't know if this is a fact and I don't even know how you would look this up, but like, I don't know if there is any correlation guys between pace of the build of your class and how good it winds up being like, just because you're not off to a fast start or you don't have commitments in April, isn't an indication that you don't have a chance of signing a very good class. And if those checks are clearing, they're going to sign a pretty good class. I promise you. Um, I don't know the thing with, with Miami and even Tennessee to a certain extent or the programs that we think are more engaged in the inducement process in this whole NIL space um, is to me that like, can you use NIL to buy a championship roster, you know? And it's like, you know uh, that Ohio state and Georgia and, you know, Clemson to a certain extent and, and Alabama are all also engaged in NIL. Uh, but they supposedly aren't as engaged in the upfront payments to players as some of these other schools are. And if you go back and you look at last year's class, I mean, Alabama signed 15 top 100 players in a single class a year ago. I mean, Georgia was number two in the country with, I think, 10. So like a quarter of the top 100 players in the country a year ago went to two schools that aren't necessarily engaging in the upfront, upfront play, the upfront payments that you're seeing at other places. So um, like to me, Miami's class last year was very good. The top end of their class, you know, despite losing Cormani McLean, uh, was built by cornerstone offensive tackles, which, you know, Mario Cristobal did very well at Oregon. Um, and, you know, Aaron Nolan is announcing on Friday. So uh, maybe they'll get him, maybe they won't. Uh, I would not start ringing the, the disaster bells until later because the checks are going to clear in March and they're going to clear in December. Right, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I came over to Sporting News from Rivals, actually, and I just remember right. the uh, commitments in South Florida were notoriously flimsy, uh, so to speak. I don't know if you feel the same way. A lot of decommitments um, in that area of the country, more so than, say, you know, if, if Notre Dame gets a commitment, they generally don't lose them uh, uh, to a decommitment, but it, it's kind of more fluid in South Florida, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a little bit different down there, you know. Um, and when it comes to flips and decommitments and all that stuff, I guess you could look that up too of like where, what area of the country do they happen the most, you know. But like Notre Dame's two best players in their class last year both flipped out of it, you know. So it's like I, I think that if you like look at just the way that recruiting is trending in general, that decommitments and flips um, – are just part of the sport now. Like, I think like, even like probably when you were at rivals and back in the day when I was, you know, in my young career here, that like flipping was such a huge deal. I was like, Oh my God, how could this player do it? And now it's just kind of like an assumption that it's going to happen. You yeah. know, it's like, that's changing, but certainly, you know, my understanding that recruiting South Florida is very tricky because there's so many people involved. I mean, these young men's lives and, you know, just, uh, it's a different world, you know how Florida is. Just not in right. football, but every with everything, it's it's just a bizarre place. So, right. uh, in a good way and a bad way, you know. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> but I think that there's probably something to that. Um, so, speaking of Notre Dame, um, like to get to your evaluation of Marcus Freeman. Uh, he came. We got a lot of Notre Dame listeners on our thanks to our association with Irish Breakdown, okay. which, uh, sponsors this podcast. They do a great job covering everything all about Notre Dame football. Uh, like to hear your take. I'm sure our listeners want to hear your take on Marcus Freeman came in with a, you know, very, very strong recruiting reputation. 
um, and hit the ground running. But, you know, they ended up last year, what, 24-7, had them at number 12 after the decommitments that you mentioned, um, in line with Brian Kelly's classes, maybe even a, not, a slight notch below. Uh, they're off to a pretty good start in 2024. Uh, where do you see Marcus Freeman? Do they need a, a Michigan like, you know, 11 and one or something to, to really uh, hit that next level? Well, I think I'm probably still buying uh, Marcus Freeman stock because, you know, when you want to transform a program, you have to do it through recruiting. And I guess there will be some portal, uh, you know, help. Like Sam Hartman will help. Um, but if you're going to do it, and you're going to do it the way that Notre Dame hopes it's done um, to build a roster that can win a playoff game, not just make it. You're going to have to get recruiting wins and a lot of them. And last year, Notre Dame had or two or three five stars committed at one point and wound up not signing either of them. And that's a really tough break. But Marcus Freeman's temperament as a coach is of a man who understands that the importance of it and is bought in to do whatever he can in order to try to get that done. And I think last year they finished up with six top 150 players. And there was a moment there where it seemed like they were going to get six top 100 players, you know, and, and that didn't pan out, but it was also year one. Um, and I know there's some on the field concerns with some of the losses that they had a year ago, but they seem to, you know, respond pretty well uh, to some of those early season issues on the field um, as the season went on. So um, to me, and I think Bill knows this about me. I feel like I can tell if a coach is going to fail pretty easily uh, early on in their tenure based on their temperament and their acknowledgement of how important this recruiting world is. Because you'll get a coach that will say, yeah, well, we, we don't care about the rankings or, you know, we, we're we going to do it our way. And, you know, they're not involved in big time recruitments and they try to rationalize it as that's OK. It's like that's not going to work for you, but. Um, he is completely, and I'm not saying that they use the 247 rankings in their uh, evaluations, but he understands that accumulating talent at a high level is going to have a direct correlation with, uh, you know, success on the field. And he seems motivated to get that done. So the odd buy stock, I think it's very early in his, his tenure there, but you know, Brian Kelly wasn't a maniacal recruiter and they went to the playoff twice. Uh, imagine if you're a maniacal recruiter with all the resources there that knows how to sell it and talk to kids. Um, I, sh I would expect an uptick in recruiting results over the next three to four or five years. Yep. And, uh, speaking of that, there's another guy that we followed closely when he was in Columbus. This is the last one for me, Ari, um, Luke fickle at Wisconsin. I, I mm -hmm. looked last night, 13 NFL players from Cincinnati, the last two drafts. I mean, just the way that he was able to develop and kind of brings our conversation. That is a lot. I didn't know that 13. And yeah. not just and they're dudes. It's Ahmad Gardner and yeah. other, you know Ritter. These are guys that can play. So, like my theory when he was at Cincinnati was a little bit it brings our conversation full circle. Was he kind of turned them into '90s Michigan in some some ways? Mm -hmm. They got a lot of Ohio kids. They were tough. They had a chip on their shoulder, etc. And they built up to that. Um, so Wisconsin eight players drafted the last two years. So how do you see him? Is he going to change the way? that they recruit based on, I mean, are they going to change the way they play offense? Well, I think that the fact that they hired Phil Longo yeah. is a, a, it's a pretty, good, it's a giveaway. pretty, pretty dead right. giveaway that it's going to be different. I don't, but what you mean by that is I don't think that Wisconsin's going to come out like playing like North Carolina did last year. Exactly. Where they're throwing it 66 times a game. Exactly. I think that he understands 
that Wisconsin has been one of the most sustainable products in college football because they had a plan and they executed that plan. And that plan was to get really good running backs and offensive linemen and smash people. Right. And to bring the conversation full circle, Bill, if you remember uh, some of those early Urban Meyer teams at Ohio State that won a lot of games and ultimately won a national championship, what did you know about those teams? That And Fickle was on those staffs. They ran the ball down people's throats repeatedly. If you go look at their national championship run with Cardale Jones, very nice story. Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 700 yards in three games. You know, like that to me is kind of the the notion of how, how I would expect them to, to recruit. And like, I think that Fickle, it would be a layup for him to duplicate the types of skill or the, sorry, the offensive linemen and running backs that Wisconsin has gotten over the years. Like he, he's not a dumb person. He's turned down coaching opportunities. He knew he could make this work. But what I think will be interesting with Luke Fickle and Phil Longo is the thing that I think has been a detriment to Wisconsin's program, which is they never really had very many good skill position players. And every time they'd face Ohio state in the big 10 championship game, you know, they'd hang around for a quarter or two because they could run the ball and they were tough, but eventually they just got out, out athleted. And I think that Luke Fickle can maintain the building blocks of what made Wisconsin, Wisconsin, by hitting in-state prospects and Midwestern offensive line prospects hard, um, continuing to look for underappreciated running backs that will turn out to be Melvin Gordon. But then all of a sudden, is he recruiting a quarterback? I mean, they just got a three-star, uh, fringe four-star quarterback out of Houston named Mabry Matur, who I wrote about, who looks identical to Trevor Lawrence. Not the way that he plays, but the way he looks. Um, and it's like you're going all the way to Houston to go get a, a quarterback that was about to blow up before he committed. You know, like, are the receivers going to be better? Are they going to have corners that are locked down? Like, if he can start getting those skill guys to complement what Wisconsin did so well over the course of the past 10 years, I think that he uh, has a really good shot of doing some really good things there. I mean, think about it. You know, during that crazy coaching carousel where Lincoln Riley and uh, Brian Kelly were involved, like, Luke Fickle took Cincinnati to the playoff. Like, he is a good coach that knows exactly how to run a program and has shown that he has a strategy at Cincinnati that worked, and now he'll have a strategy at Wisconsin that'll work. Um, And he could have gone to multiple different places, but he chose Wisconsin for a reason because I think he knows the plan there and knows he can make it work. So I would also buy stock in Wisconsin. The problem with them is, uh, you know, a lot of their success came (laughs) in in the era of the Big Ten West where they could just run through their their competition and play in the Big Ten championship game. Well, divisions are going away, so – you know, they're going to get better, but they're also going to have to play Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State in the same season sometimes, and that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out as well. So, uh, But I will say this. My last parting thought is if he did not think he had a chance to make them really, really good, I don't think he would have taken that job. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So to sum up the show, uh, Ohio State's doomed Wisconsin and Michigan are about to pass them both in the Big Ten pecking order. That yeah, that, that's the wrap. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's how Ohio State fans will hear it for sure. <laughs> yeah. And Bill needs to know this, that I think I gave Ari the rights to Grant Bender's 2029 recruitment signing but you may have to cover some lacrosse to get that that's okay that's fine or you can break that wherever grant plays lacrosse i i did promise him that maybe he'll play at ohio state yeah there you go behind the paywall bill yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'll make sure people get that one behind the paywall yes all right you're the best man thanks so much for uh i know this was a lot of time coming off the final four last night we really appreciate you coming on no problem the best all right yeah anytime I know you always do trivia with Mitch on Stars Matter. Mm-hmm. I, I give Bender a, a Trochi trivia question every week. I'm going to let you stick around for the with one quick trivia question, see who gets it right. It's recruiting-related. Uh, advantage, okay. advantage Wasserman right there, but we'll see how it goes. All right. Question is, the, the uh, class of 2023, the top 10 quarterbacks who were true freshmen last fall, Okay, the top 10 ranked quarterbacks who were true freshmen last fall. In the 2023 class? Yeah, in the 2023 class and then the 2023 fall when they were true freshmen. Okay. How many of those 10 started a game and can you name them? Well, it'd be 2022. 2022, then, is what you mean. 2022, and can you name who they were? Uh, Connor Wegman started. That's uh, one. Did Cade Klubnik start? That's uh, the two. Game? You nailed it. That's oh. it. We're done. <laughs> There's only two. <laughs> oh, you, okay. only two of the top ten freshmen, uh, true freshmen from the signing class previous, started a game as uh, in their first season. So, Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm happy. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm usually hit or miss with trivia. Like sometimes they'll ask me a question, I'll nail it. And sometimes I'll ask, I'll just answer it in the most ridiculous, nonsensical way. So I, I listened to your last podcast. You were on fire guessing those percentages or whatever. Well, yeah, those are actually kind of easy. Like if you think about the States, like yeah. I, I don't want to act like I'm smart, but you know, <laughs> you could put, you could put two and two together just based on what you know, institutionally about how much talent tends to come through a state. So all right, anyway, all right, all right guys. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for updating our uh, updating our audience on a national look at recruiting. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you down the road. Hopefully, anytime you guys need me, just hit me up. Okay. Thank right, you. Thanks, buddy. All right, take care. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a fun segment. Ari, he knows his stuff inside and out, and you guys uh, could relive a little fantasy football. Yeah, Ari's a great guy. It was a great guest. Great to have him on. Great knowledge. And um, most importantly, one of the nice guys in the business and very entertaining and and fun to be around. So, yeah, great insight there. And, yeah, that's, that was a fun show or fun recruiting <laughs> segment, you know, yep. and they're very yeah, good. We, uh, he's knee deep in it and he does a great job on podcasts and everything like that. So we are coming off the Final Four. Uh, we're recruiting, rec- recording this Tuesday morning, Monday night. Uh, UConn, of course, won the national championship. And I just wanted to touch base on one philosophical thing I was thinking about last night um, during the the, uh, the game and the, the Final Four, especially the Final Four on Saturday when Florida Atlantic was in there and everything. And I was just thinking um, the differences between the college football playoff and the Final Four, making it as a program, as a mid-level power, power program, 
I was thinking about like maybe a Missouri or maybe a, an Iowa or something like that. And it's just like, which is easier to get to the final four or the college football playoff and the college football playoff, of course, it's very exclusive. So there's a very high floor to get in, to break in. Uh, but you're not competing with a huge amount of teams because not everybody can recruit at that level. And it's very exclusive. And then I was looking at basketball and not only are you playing against the powers and competing against the powers to try to get to that final four, uh, the Kansas, the Duke and everybody, UConn. <laughs> um, but the floor is very low because we see Loyola Chicago. We see Florida Atlantic. We see VCU. We see George Mason. I mean, so you're comp- the, the pool, it seems, to get into the Final Four is way bigger than the pool trying to get into the college football playoff. So if you're like a mid-level power, power program, which do you think is easier to get to? I would say the final four, like, because you can, you can have a run like as a seven to nine seed to get there. You may not win it, but I think, you know, you take, you were talking before we came on like a program like Missouri, Missouri somehow has never been to the final four, which right. neither has Purdue. Who's just right. incredibly good. <laughs> right. So that was my, I was surprised that, why is it so hard? Well, it's so hard because we got Florida Atlantic taking up spots, you know? So, so Missouri has been, equally close like they've been to elite eights and then they've been to sec championship games they had the one team that played kansas and lost to oklahoma in the big 12 championship that would have been in line to play in a bcs championship game when there were just two so that they're a good test program for that question um purdue's another one because purdue's had rose bowl seasons but they were way back in the bcs i think i just think the mountain for some of those programs you're talking about like a Purdue a Missouri a UCLA would be another answer and not, although they haven't they've been to final fours but football wise they're kind of in that discussion where it's hard to climb we were just talking already about it. it's hard it's gonna be hard for Wisconsin and Penn State to climb high state Michigan I talk about it every year mm-hmm. you still got to fight Alabama Notre mm-hmm. Dame's still trying to break through so I would say it's it's easier to get to the final four also because of the random nature of the college bat. I think you you probably I know you get sick of me telling you, but there's very little randomness to the college football playoff. Right. Other than the TCU Michigan game to me, there hasn't been a lot of that. Whereas this tournament had when Princeton beat Arizona, my reaction was like, oh, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, it was Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think that's the difference. Right. Yeah. It's just amazing that a program like Florida Atlantic with a gym of 2,900, 2,900 seating capacity, not only can make the Final Four, but belonged. Right. Like, they were legit. Like, I mean, they beat good teams on the way through. There was nothing really fluky. I thought San Diego State kind of snuck their way through the tournament somehow. I didn't know that, you know, I didn't feel like they had a great team. I think. Florida Atlantic, really, really good team built in Boca Raton, Florida, with no basketball tradition whatsoever, no facilities, no nothing. And I'm just like, so not only do you have to beat the Blue Bloods to get to the Final Four, you got to beat these random Florida Atlantics as well. It's just extremely difficult, uh, extremely difficult to do, as Purdue has found out through the years. They got to get by Fairleigh Dickinson. They couldn't do that. You had a front row seat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you to see an event like that and and know that they belong, like you said. So, you know, it, it 
and it'll be interesting to see what this conversation's like maybe in five years after we've had the 12 team playoff for a while, because maybe we'll sit here and be like, well, is it easier to get to the elite eight or the second round of the playoff? And I wonder what the dis- dispersion of what the teams look like in the elite eight, whatever they end up coining the co- college football playoff version of it, I uh, end up being. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, I do think, and I've talked to you about this, that getting to the playoff, will be the version of like making job security different for coaches. They'll be like, well, he got to the second round, so we can't fire him. He got to the elite eight um, of football. And it, you'll see, I think the definition of a successful season change by a great deal. Why do you think all the college bass, some of the college basketball coaches want expansion so they can say, Hey, I made the I, tournament three right, years it, in a row. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for, uh, putting this show together we had ari that was great we caught up on some recruiting um now that the march madness our responsibilities at sportingnews.com shift way back into spring football and the college football off season we will uh be keeping an eye on all of the spring games that are coming up here in the month of april starting this saturday and uh, we will review some of them probably next week um sorry that uh, ari stole your thunder on trochi trivia <laughs> yeah, i didn't even get to talk end. I'm about to text him. I didn't even get to talk. He, he gets the quick on the buzzer before you even. <laughs> right, he was quick. He was quick, and I, I was surprised it was only two quarterbacks that that got a start. Um, which is, you know, funny that this is people lose their minds when these kids commit, and then eight of the right. ten best quarterbacks never got off the never started. They got off right. the bench, but never started. So um, yeah, so that is it for this week. Uh, thanks. To everyone for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, on uh, on Spotify, and on the YouTube channel, the CFB Nation YouTube channel. Thanks again to Irish Breakdown for for sponsoring the podcast, and uh, thank you once again to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All America podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will be back next week. <laughs>